Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. Uh, we're back after, uh, it's kind of a short week in terms of podcast releases, but we're happy to bring you another episode as the Devils won't have any games for a while. Um, John, mm-hmm. you and I were looking at, and John Fisher, everyone, please Hi. applaud. Applaud accordingly. Um, one clap. One, one clap somewhere. Um, but at least the one clapping person is in the same position that we are, where we were looking at the schedule leading into the All-Star break saying, well... This is a point where they're not playing their best hockey, but if they uh, manage to step back in it and go into the All-Star break, well, we'll feel a lot better about things. And uh, suffice it to say, we feel a lot better about things. The Devils had a tough stretch of games going into the break, and they handled them with aplomb for the most part. As you know, we, we discussed the West Coast swing on the last episode, but now we came back home to take on one of the best teams in the West, the Vegas Golden Knights. And this episode will cover the Knights game and that little mini trip out to the Midwest. But first, let's start off with a home effort against the Vegas Golden Knights, probably one of their better um, possession efforts the entire month, which is kind of a scary thing to say, considering what it took for them to win that game. But I would say of all the games that they didn't deserve to win and won this month, this is one that they did deserve to win and did win. Absolutely. I mean, part of it is a result of... Um, the Golden Knights didn't play as sharp. I mean, the Penguins game on that Sunday, the Penguins played a really impeccable game in the neutral zone. Um, they played very conservatively, but they you know made sure the Devils weren't going to just go off on their transition offense. Uh, the Golden Knights were looser, sloppier, and the Devils were able to get opportunities. And, you know, Logan Thompson made good plays. You know, he made good saves. Um, you know, this game was a bit frustrating because you got to see Brendan Smith make a gigantic error for what mm-hmm. was you know, the go ahead goal for Vegas in the second period where he literally sees an on man uh, an rush coming points to Brat to get to the middle. So it's not an on man rush anymore. And then just after the, you know, the puck crosses the blue line, Smith decides I'm going to leave my man for some reason. And, you know, that guy is wide open, gets the puck, take, takes a shot. It's uh, loose in the crease and another guy taps it in. So mm-hmm. frustrating, but the devils push back and eventually did get the goal uh, from Dougie Hamilton. And then in overtime, we got to see um, the big deal. Mm-hmm. The big deal. You know, one of the criticisms of the big deal is like, he's too <laughs> soft, Dan. He, he didn't play, play against, against men. He, he doesn't play against men. Hits. Well, uh-huh. all those haters, all those losers, and they are losers, Dan, and they are haters, um, got to witness Brady McNabb smearing him face first into the boards. And as Hughes was taking a boarding penalty, 
it should have been called a boarding penalty at least slid the puck no look to the middle of the ice for dougie hamilton to one t it as mm-hmm. pk suban would say pass logan thompson for the win three two yep. the crowd erupted everybody this game was an espn plus exclusive so pk suban kevin weeks uh ryan callahan and steve levy were all incredibly you know amazed by the pass um Steve Levy also questioned, at what point do you stop calling him Dougie? He's nearly 30 years old. And I yeah. say, he gets paid a lot of money. You can call him whatever you want. Yeah, when, yeah. He has two, when he has back-to-back power play overtime goals, then yeah. you can call him winner. When he's and- scoring, he could be whatever he wants to be. Because uh, this is a component that the Devils did not have last mm-hmm. year. And when they signed Dougie Hamilton, this is what they were expecting to get. Yeah. And let me just tell you, they are getting their money's worth now from this man. He is putting up points. He is present in the play. He's a stalwart presence in the back. I mean, this is this is the Dougie Hamilton they wanted. Absolutely. Now, again, as you said, Dan, this was their best performance in quite some time because the five on five play for January, I'm going to spoil the month in review a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was basically the inverse of December where the Devils had really good performances, but they just couldn't finish or they didn't get that one extra save. And therefore they lose games. They go on a six game winless streak. Everybody's mad. Well, the Devils, they won nine out of 13 in, in January. They took um, they got points out of 11 out of 13 games, which is fantastic, except they needed late heroics to get those points, and they had some really poor performances. To be fair, teams like Carolina, Boston, Toronto, uh, the aforementioned Las Vegas Golden Knights, Seattle even, um, they needed some late-time heroics to get Ws as well. I mean, you know, Carolina was a minute and a half away from losing in regulation to San Jose of all teams in their own building and then, you know, made a comeback. It, you you got to do it. But the performances from the Devils were just not very good throughout the month of January to the point of concern. And this was absolutely present for all to see in Nashville on Thursday night. Nashville, I, I think outside of the Islanders game that kind of started them on that long losing streak uh, back in December, mm-hmm. this was probably their worst effort of the season defensively. I think not in terms of yep. like actual effort given, but in terms of uh, defensive attention to detail, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, opportunities given up, in terms of, I mean, they've left Blackwood out to dry. Uh, say what you will about his performance that day, but he, they did him zero favors that day. And I, I don't know if you're, you know, Whatever side you fall on in the Vanacek versus Blackwood debate, which is not really a debate anymore, we're seeing the no. results of that. Uh, Vanacek is the starter. He's he's getting recognition league-wide. But again, it's not Blackwood's fault here. This was completely – I don't know what happens every time they see John Hines, but their powers just get sapped. Every single time they see this man on the opposite team's bench, they have no idea what to do. They, they just get nervous. I don't know what it is because Nashville – is not that good a team. No. But yet the Devils always seem to have some weird struggles against them defensively. I, and I don't imagine that's John Hines' system because we're privy to the fact that it doesn't score goals. So I don't no. know what it is. Well, I'll tell you what. It doesn't matter if your team struggle, the other team struggles to score goals or if they're coached by a guy who's in over his head and bailed out by Juice Saros most nights. If you give up 10 breakaways to a team, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. I mean – the XGA of this game in all strengths, all strengths, so power play, shoot at uh, shorthanded, etc. The Devils allowed an expected goals of 5.53, which is the highest of the entire season so far. It actually beat the Islanders game, which was at 5.27. Mm-hmm. And if you look at natural stat trick for those, you know, all strength, you know, you can see a lot of the worst XGA performances uh, of the season for the Devils. A lot of them are in January. Um, 
However, the Devils did create plenty of offense. And that's actually adds to the frustration. Jusei Saros was not the heroic Jusei Saros of the past. The Devils got goals past him. It was a tied game after one period. It was a tie game after two periods. I even wrote several times, you just got to win one more period. You just got to win the third period. Uh, same in Seattle, same in San Jose, same against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, actually, not so much the Golden Knights. Uh, the Penguins game, that was that was tied going in, in the third period. But they didn't win it. Uh, again, their breakaways, you know, bad turnover by a yuck led to a Duchesne goal and then a breakaway goal for the win. Dawson Mercer gets some late hope and then Tanner Janot puts an in ENG. So you lose 6-4. Um, it was just an absolutely dreadful dreadful defensive performance from the likes of a who got benched for the Dallas game the next night. Brendan Smith was absolutely terrible. Ryan Graves was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Damon Severson was once again, Damon Severson where many times he wasn't that bad, but of course he, he looked like a dummy when Mike Mikhail Granlund kicked a puck from his, his own skate to, you know, put in a goal. Again, as you said, Blackwood was left out to dry. And as much as I've been critical of Blackwood as an inconsistencies, in his four appearances this month, it's like the Devils are just making life harder for them. And it's not just for Blackwood because they did it again in Dallas, albeit with fewer breakaways and odd man rushes allowed. Mm-hmm. Well, so this is the opposite problem that they were having, basically. If we talk about the Devils of the last couple of years, one of the big issues we have is that they wilt towards the end of periods, towards the end of games. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're having the opposite problem now where they don't really know when to give up. Uh, in the first period... They don't really start games on time anymore, but anytime they're down, they will claw every single second to get it back. I have not seen this team lay down once this year. When does right. that happen? Although, well, it really hasn't happened. I mean, some of the score lines you'll look at, like, say, the previous game against Dallas, where you go, oh, they lost 1-4. But mm-hmm. that was a 2-1 game with two empty net goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I bring that up because in Dallas, that's probably the closest you're going to get to a lay down because the XG of that game was some for all situations, of course, was 1.6 to 3.2. Um, you're not, but again, you know, Vanacek played a fantastic game. Um, Dallas didn't so much break away and get behind the devil's defense as often as Nashville did, but they just piled on shot after shot after shot. There was lots of shifts in the devil's end of the rink, especially in the first period. They gave up, correct me if I'm wrong, like 24 shots. Mm-hmm. before the devils even got to 10 yep um but it's a credit again as, as you said the devils have the talent to fight back in the game and even though oh the dallas game also had the fun additional uh the fun addition of terrible penalties to make life harder oh, for yeah. themselves where miles wood took a lazy tripping penalty after literally after they killed that eric Halla takes a lazy hooking penalty and then during that penalty kill ryan graves takes a lazy penalty of his own and lo and behold you're down two nothing due to the five on three goal but thankfully, mm-hmm. Dallas bailed the Devils out shortly after with a penalty of their own. But I but I point that out to say that discipline isn't just penalties, Dan. It's also, as you said, attention to detail, knowing where you need to be, paying, you know, noting the finer details and reacting accordingly, and making adjustments when the other team is making um uh, making changes mm-hmm. uh, and they're just straight up beating you. Um, the devil's discipline could stand to be better in a larger holistic sense, not just in terms of t- take fewer dumb penalties. That being said, the second period, as you said, the devils came back. Jack Hughes got a breakaway, beats Ottinger five hole. Miles Wood finally does a good thing for the yes. first time in Je- since the de- the de- Detroit game where he had two assists. Uh, scores his first goal since December 13. And I got to tell you, Dan, I-, I have to credit the people who matter because over the past 
several weeks, even though Wood wasn't scoring. I think most people are really understanding what I've been saying for years, which is that Miles Wood isn't that good. He doesn't mm-hmm. help you very much. And if he's not chipping in goals at somewhat of a regular pace, Dan, he's not really giving you much. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't back check. He doesn't play well off the puck. He takes tons of shots, but most of them are bad shots to take. Yeah. Uh, but he he scored a goal, tied up the game. And as you said, the Devils played much better in the third period, held on, and in overtime, Jack Hughes charges in, mm-hmm. takes a shot. Tyler Seguin tips the shot, yep. trying to defend it. So credit to Seguin. He tried to do the right thing here. But it turned out that the, the the attempt at playing defense just made the shot flutter, and Ottinger was fooled by it. So, you know, the big deal scores 20 seconds in to end his month with 13 goals. As of this recording, Dan, nobody in the NHL has more than 13 goals in January. Nobody, nobody. in the NHL has more 5v5 goals than Jack Hughes. Nobody in the NHL. Um, uh, what else can we say about him? Even I mean, there, there's there's so many things that you can say about Jack Hughes, and so many things that you can say about how he's played. But really, again, it's just that point where everything's starting to go in for him. That shot, I think, even he was surprised that it beat Ottinger, and it did tip in off of Sagan's stick, like you said. But um, we're at a point where he's just generating so much offense that. Yeah. Now he's actually getting the bounces to have some of those go in. Make no mistake, this isn't a luck thing. I want to just point out that yeah. when you create this many opportunities, the fact that some of them that shouldn't go in start going in just makes up for all the ones that should have gone in off the stick of, like, I don't know, Eric Halla. That that makes up for those, essentially. That's where the balancing out is happening. So Hughes is simply generating so much offense. It's such an insane, ridiculous volume that eventually some of these bounces were going to go his way. And if it feels like all of them are, they're not even. That's the scary part. He's 21 years old. He's getting maybe half the bounces now, and he's still got plenty of room to grow. And again, the Devils having him on the deal that they do is a miracle. We're going to look back on this contract the way that the Avalanche look back on their deal with Nate McKinnon. It's, it's something that when they got the value for him, they were planning for this potential, and mm-hmm. they have basically double the value of that contract at this point absolutely um, that's why you that's why i'm i'm annoyed with the jesper bratt thing because yeah. that jesper bratt is as good as jack hughes but when you have a young guy who grew who grew up in your system he's generally happy he, despite the lack of you know wins up until this season you know he's really good lock him up because if you the more you wait to you know nickel and dime it sorted out in negotiations it just gets more expensive it mm-hmm. just does. Well, and this uh, is where pr- price starts mattering because, again, you don't. If you're the Devils, and I'm sure you've been reading pieces about this, when the trade deadline rolls around this year, it's nice to be where you are. It's nice that you're ahead of the schedule that the league thought you'd be on, in terms of where you are in the actual standings. I mean, I think people could have envisioned the Devils as a bubble team, but probably not this. No, and so not, when you, yeah, well, when you have this, uh, this already found opportunity. Fitz is doing the right thing and indicating that he wants a winger with control. He is not looking for rentals. He's looking for someone that he can use this year and beyond. And again, there's plenty of names that fit the bill and it it makes more sense to talk about those as we get closer to the deadline. But that's where you have to start consideration, considering the financial aspect of things. And this is where we're truly blessed that the devils have an amazing farm system too, because all these conversations about getting a winger like Timo Meyer and keeping Jesper Brad are a lot easier when you know that you really don't have to urgently resign either of the two right-handed defensemen that are UFAs next year. Because uh, we got some news due to an article from Ryan uh, Novozinski of NJ.com, John. 
That's right. So Ryan continuing to put in the work as a beat reporter. So give give the NJ.com people a subscription uh, so he can keep doing what he's doing because you're certainly not going to get it at The Athletic. You're not getting it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ryan reached out to uh, Dan McKinnon. That's the assistant general manager of the New Jersey Devils. And his primary responsibility for the past several years has been in he's in charge of the Utica Comets, the minor league affiliate, and he follows up with the prospects. You know, he's in charge of, you know, keeping tabs on them, looking to see like when guys are ready, reaching out with scouts, things of that nature. And, and, and Novozinski reached out to McKinnon and McKinnon has said once Michigan season is done and that's not just the regular season. Excuse mm-hmm. me. That's the Big Ten tournament. That's presumably a Frozen Four tournament appearance. The moment that ends, they will sign Luke Hughes to an entry yep. level contract. Like it's it. What I've been saying for a while is that you know Luke is following Quinn's path. This is exactly Quinn's path. Two seasons in college, and he's uh, he's going to get go pro. And if there were any doubts as to whether or not Luke is ready, <laughs> literally on the day <laughs> this gets reported, you know, on Saturday night. The night of the Royal Rumble, one of the best Royal Rumbles in, in, in modern WWE history with the greatest storyline that they've done literally in decades, maybe ever, if we're going to go that far. Luke Hughes puts up a performance that Michigan's head coach called one of the best performances in the history of the school. And this is a school that outputted a lot of NHL players, Dan, because Luke Hughes led a th- comeback Yep. From three goals down to a ranked Penn State team. Like, I know the Big Ten hockey is a very small conference, but they're good players team. There's good teams. They're ranked teams mm-hmm. in the country. Down 3 nothing early. Luke Hughes drops a four spot, four goals in the comeback win. As a defenseman. As a defenseman, scoring goals from distance, driving forward. I know the knocks on him is all, you know, he's got to be better in his own end. And yeah, he's got to, he can't just be wheeling out there. But you look at a Kale McCarr, you look at an Adam Fox, you look at his, you look at his brother, Quinn Hughes. You look at Samuel Gerrard. You need defensemen with the dynamic ability these days to go forward. So yeah, maybe if they're a little suspect in their own end or they're going to get, you know, they may lose a couple extra board battles that Orion Graves might ultimately win. Who cares? You got a guy who could score a bunch of goals. And Luke Hughes literally did this for a huge win. Uh, the first sweep of the weekend, because they play these games in sets in college, uh, for Michigan hockey in quite some time this season. You know, he's wearing a giant M chain. He's getting all the love. The people at Elite Prospects are taking L's right now uh, for disrespecting Mr. Hughes during the World Junior Championship. Um, you know, this is, you know, if you wanted a sign of like, Saying, hey, we're going to sign this guy to a pro contract. Well, scoring four goals against a top college team, Dan, is probably a fantastic, uh, a fantastic way to say, yeah, this we're, the Devils are right to do this. The Decent Devils prospect. should be doing this. Decent they, prospect. Yeah, they, they should do this. And, and I understand the concern, like you don't want to do it now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to throw away Severson and Grays while you're, you know, potentially on a playoff run. I get it, but you know, if Luke is going to be half as good as I think he is. The Devils can let those two UFA defensemen walk, and they'll be fine. I yeah, think they'll be very fine. And, plus, and- plus, given the past couple of games that we just talked about, can you look at Akatyuk, Ball, Brendan Smith, and say, "Oh no, Luke, we can't have Luke Hughes. We can't, yeah. we can't trust that. We got to play these guys instead." No. Absolutely not. Well, yeah, the, everything is lining up really well for the Devils to be using those two guys very, very quickly. Nevitz and Hughes. Um, I think just between the salary cap situation, how they're 
theoretical replacements have played. It's actually kind of nice that it's lining up so conveniently for the Devils. Uh, I think the one kind of, there's kind of an X factor. I don't really understand why they keep bringing up a Hatuk and not Walsh. I don't really know what the logic is behind that, um, but maybe it's the big body logic that seems to pervade parts of the NHL mentality. But uh, either way, I, I just... It's nice that they don't have to think about a lot. A lot of these things are kind of just falling into place naturally. And, well, hey, we don't have room for both of these guys. Well, we have both of these younger guys who will be on entry-level contracts, ideally, when we're paying all of our forwards, you know, $7 million and above that actually matter. Exactly. And if the Devils are smart, they'll they'll also do the same with some of their other free agents at forward because they do have a lot of guys coming out of contract. A lot of the middle and bottom six players like Wood, like McLeod, like Thomas Tatar, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, Eric Halla, um, Andreas Johnson, of course, he, he's buried in Utica. So that's kind of a minor point. But and you lot- can't just say let Tatar let Halla walk. Like a lot of people are saying that, but then you have to replace them. Like, yes. again. I agree. I like, agree. Th- this is all like a nice idea. And yeah, maybe they're having moments that like aren't so good, but they are contributors to why this team has been as successful as it is. And again, there's a lot that we don't see. And there's a lot that when you say that they shouldn't be in the lineup, well, who are you replacing them with? Are you going out and spending money on veterans? Or are you going to bring guys up who the team doesn't even want to see yet? They've had opportunities to come up and make a name and they just haven't been able to get a foothold. So is the, are those the guys you want instead? Yeah. And ultimately that's one of the criticisms I still have with the devils, despite going nine, two and two in January is that throughout the month, you know, miles wood has been, Absolutely terrible. I understand he scored a goal. Cool. That's great. He scored a goal, game time goal. I'm happy for him. But otherwise, he was, you know, still bad penalties. He's not helping you out. McLeod not chipping in. He's getting beaten in five on five real badly. The return of Nathan Bastion has not helped them out whatsoever. Um, so it's baffling to me that Fabian Zetterlund doesn't get into the lineup until the Dallas game. Jesper Bokefist gets benched for reason to bring back Zetterlund. And Holtz is still just riding the press box and the scratch suite, so to speak, which makes no sense to me because I'm literally looking at some of these performances, even from better players like a Sharon Govich, where, you know, they're giving him opportunities. He's he's obviously paying, playing better with Hughes because he's way better with Hughes than Eric Halla is with Hughes. Um, but it's baffling to me to like, despite the legitimately easy to understand bad performances and the fact that Wood and McLeod and others have not been productive, that we're going to say Zetterlund can't play because he isn't productive, that Holtz isn't playing because he's productive. That's ultimately the other factor is that I think the harsh reality is that Lindy Ruff and his staff don't want to play certain players. And as such, you almost have to sit down with him and say, okay, if you're not going to play the with the guys you have on the roster, who are you going to play with? Mm-hmm. And that's why guys like Wood stay in the lineup, even though he really should have been scratched a bunch of times throughout this month. Yep. And I don't think that's that's going to be one of those things that feels like it resolves itself, right? Like he got yeah. hurt. This is a contract year. Is he going to make him have a hard choice? I don't think Not so anymore. Rate. So nope. basically you can replace him with Zetterlin one for one spiritually and have a better player. So I, yeah. I'm i okay with that. And that's more savings. Mm-hmm. More savings on the books. You keep, Every dollar counts when you're a team like New Jersey. Um, if you're contending, you want to be as close to the cap as possible. Otherwise, what are you spending your money on? <laughs> exactly. And it also makes, you know, all the dreams of getting a Timo Meyer or I don't know if you want to believe the losers in Montreal who think the devil still want Josh Anderson. Why? Why would the, can I just speak to the people in Montreal for a second? 
Why in God's name would the Devils waste assets on Josh Anderson when all of these other guys are more available and make more sense and are better? I don't understand why they would hamstring themselves to get a Josh Anderson when he wouldn't fix the issue that they're having. Not to mention that Anderson still has another four more seasons on his contract. He's going to get paid $8 million in salary, $7 million, then $5 million, then $3.5 million in salary. That's an expensive player to go get. Yeah, you'll get control, but <laughs> you know he's going to be entering his 30s. It's almost like, do you want a worse version than Palat? Here. <laughs> we, we, we can revisit this exactly when Palat is uh, due to get paid big money in three to Four no, years, no, 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 right? no. Like, he's getting no. He's getting his big. He's getting his largest salary this season. At least oh, even 7. better. Five seven point five million in signing bonus this season. Like he's actually an eight close to an eight million dollar player. But mm. never, never mind that. Yeah, like some all you fans in Montreal and especially Vancouver, because your entire team and organization is in disarray. Um, I understand the desire. You want to dump your bad contracts because and the Anderson contract's a bad contract for Montreal. Vancouver has a heap of problems. I have no idea what Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are thinking. Um, but you know, you can't just say, Well, the devils need help. Don't you want to take our crummy players? No, no, that's the not what contending not the... teams want. Contending devils, teams do not yeah. want your castoffs, Montreal. <laughs> exactly. Just as much as you turn around and go, Will we stop, stop mocking wood to us? Like, fine. I'll stop selling you on Miles Wood because he's not good. So yeah. you know, give us give us the courtesy. Give mm-hmm. us the thing. Now, Dan. Yeah. One thing that we do have to appreciate about the New Jersey Devils is as an organization, as an organization, Dan, um, you know, I have criticisms about how the organization markets itself and presents itself to the larger community. Mm-hmm. You know, did you know that the Las Vegas game was technically mental health night? Did not. No, uh, there was nothing on the website that told you this. They didn't announce anything. They actually have a heap of these types of events every season where it's like South American night or Sea Heritage night or something. And it's like, promote this, guys. Like, well, it's like kind of a footnote, right? It's like it's a it's a we're doing this and there happens to be a hockey game happening. Right. Yeah, But but you got to promote it. Like, even if it just gets an extra 50 people in the seats. At the very least, you're giving everybody a heads up to say, hey, there's something happening tonight. Because the reason for it's pretty good, too, right? Like, usually it's like, hey, fan or section of fans that don't always get acknowledged as hockey fans, come on over. This is this is a welcoming environment for you, theoretically. Yes. And and, and it's important that the and I say this in appreciation of the devils, even though I have this that makes this giving I just explained. And I'm sure there's some other skeletons and proverbial closets, so to speak. I bring this up because our hated rivals across the river, and, and whether we want to admit it or not, what happens in Manhattan does have a have an indirect effect of what happens in New Jersey. We're in the metro, New York metropolitan TV market. You know, we're in the area. You know, mm-hmm. the media coverage is mostly the same from the bigger papers and outlets. And, and, but the Rangers, our hated rivals, tend to get first billing. So our hated rivals have taken two massive L's as an organization. I will still argue that Vancouver is the worst organization in the league right now, just for simply what they've done to Bruce Boudreau. Oh my God. Horrible. Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. Especially to a guy who's, you know, he's well-respected. He has a cup ring. Like he's not, wait, wait, does the Boudreau have a cup ring or am I confusing him with Barry Trotz? I don't think he does. Okay. Still Boudreau is well-respected. Oh, wait. People love him. No, Carlisle won the Ducks, right? No, I was about to say with the Capitals. No, no, that was definitely trots. That was okay. 100% trots. The point is, is I'll still argue that Vancouver is the worst organization in the NHL at the moment. 
However, our hated rivals, for better or for worse, the biggest team in the market mm-hmm. in our in our part of the part of the country, our part of the hockey world, took two massive L's. The first one is that Friday night they held their Pride Night, and I want to emphasize for the people who matter who aren't familiar with New York, New York City, like not that I'm a subject matter expert, Dan. But New York City has a very long history with respect to gay rights. Mm-hmm. You know, the Stonewall riots were in New York City, mm-hmm. in Manhattan. So Pride is a pretty big deal in the city. The Pride Parade there is massive. It's been, you know, an area for a lot of uh, people who, as you said, aren't welcomed in a lot of places. A lot of them end up moving to New York, places like New York City, because they can be accepted. You know, and have done so for decades. I'm thankful to say that's starting to change in recent times. Mm-hmm. For some, inex- and now I want to credit Molly Walker and Larry Brooks at the New York Post for this because they've they've no- they've done a little more digging and they found out before their Pride Night, a high level executive that shall rename nameless, obviously because it would reveal the source, decided to tell the players, "No, you're not going out with your Pride themed jerseys and and tape like you did the previous two years." And then they auction that stuff off to benefit charities that help yeah. LGBT youths, by the way. Right. So That's Pride... the intention. The intention is they wear the jersey, people bid on the game-worn jerseys, mm-hmm. and they can sell all that stuff to actually help people. Exactly. And not only that, they they sent out an email blast to the season ticket holders and other communities to, you know, hey, we're doing the Pride night. Come come out. We're going to do deals like NYC Pride. Like again, NYC Pride is a big organization. Mm-hmm. And they just basically pulled the rug out from under them. And 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 even even I'm not going to get into the culture war at the cultural aspects of the social aspects, but just on the base level of you make a commitment to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Honor your commitment. Well, a lot Honor of people are commitment. there because they're interested in how you're going to do this. It's nice that they feel represented. And then you say, nah, nope. nope. Yeah, exactly. You pull the rug out from the, regardless of if it's a pride night, a military appreciation night, a, you know, a. Italian heritage. I'm trying to think of other theme nights other teams have done. Well, there's a lunar lunar new year. lunar new year. That's a great another good example that just happened this Sunday for the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, to to make a deal, you know, a, a notable deal about this, and then you just decide, no, we're not going to do it. People are going to feel disrespected, and rightfully so. Yeah. And e- even even if you think, you know, you think such things should be optional, or you think it's just performative ca- rainbow capitalism. You know, I'm of the opinion that I'd rather have the performative stuff than not after mm-hmm. decades of pretending it doesn't exist or outright uh, making fun of it. Yep. Um, but this is a massive L for the for our hated rivals as an organization. And unfortunately, if the Rangers are willing to do this, you know, what's to stop other teams from doing this? Remember that the You Can Play project was started by ultimate hockey man Brian Burke. Mm-hmm. You know, the NHL and the NHLPA say we're in on this. Um, but um Unfortunately, I, I think we're going to have to un- have some uncomfortable conversations between the league and the clubs to say, look, guys, you got you got to st- honor your commitments, at least like, if, yeah, if exactly. don't announce it and then not go through with it. Well, how? Yeah. Before. How invested are you in this initiative? Like, if you don't want to be part of this, then why are you being a part of this? Like, first of all, don't make claims that this is for everyone. If that's not what you believe, if you believe exactly. that, then then you know, show your whole self to everyone. What people do with that information is it's up to them. You right. can't control what people are going to do with the fact that you hold these beliefs, but Hey, like this is a real thing that happens. Let's just even view this statistically. 
what are the odds that of all the years of NHL hockey, where there's locker rooms full of men yep. all the time that come and time. go, about 40 to 50 that are on a single team every given season, you think that there's not going to be a significant amount of gay players there? There are. There have been. There will be. There will always be. And they, you know, again, there's plenty of fans that are interested in this sport, and it doesn't matter who you are with to enjoy this sport. I don't understand. Like, it's a sport thing. I know you don't believe in wearing the stuff or whatever it is, but undeniably, like, the money that you raise from that is helping people. And not only that, it just it's it's a clear indication just to say, you know what, you are welcome. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of it, where where the You've done it last season. Just do it again. Sports are competition, right? And competition, at the end of the day, like sports are entertainment. People should be able to feel like they can take in whatever type of entertainment they would like. If they like this pace of hockey, if they like, you know, um, any other sport for whatever reason, they should be informed that they are welcome to enjoy that for the same reasons that we're all there. Nothing about them changes the fact that they are there to watch the same sport that we are. And again, like, this is something that is so the definitions are changing so much every single year. There's so much that we're learning about people. There's so much that uh, so much empowerment happening for people to finally speak up about this. And then they get this, you know, the league keeps telling them you can play. Yep. We care about you too. And where, where, which part? Yeah. the, The, some of the clubs are not fully on board despite being previously on board. So it begs the question with the high level executive, who that is, yeah. And, and I will and just as a final point on this part, because there's another L we have to talk about, yeah, which actually does impact the devils a little more directly. And I'll get to why I believe that mm-hmm. in a moment. Uh, I'll just make as a final point and all about the jersey and here at Garden State of Hockey. You know, I call everybody the people who matter. I have very little tolerance for the people who don't want to admit that some people don't matter based on things that have nothing to do whether or not they support the devils. Mm-hmm. The main audience for the site for the for this podcast for what i write about are devils fans if you have a problem with other devil fans please please go somewhere else yeah we got no place and, for this right anyway uh, you know, Dan, the other going, thing that's going happening. back to, going back to entertainment dan <laughs> well speaking of a, your puritanism a, right like we have well, we have oh, this, oh, this no, next no, thing no. coming in oh it's 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 not puritan it's petty well no so, i know it's not that it's so it's here's comfort. the thing it's bitterness it's pettiness because we know where it's coming from so but. this what this one okay so this is okay most people when they attend a game not only want to feel welcome dan but a lot of them want to have a beer with their games yeah and this blew up as this is now a national story. Like this appeared on Sports Center on ESPN. So here, here's the background. And and it's not good when the local reports, like the news reports, are opening with, you really think fan sports fans are gonna be with you on this one? Like they're not they're like even the sports, even the regular news writers are like, huh? Mm-hmm. Here's the background. So the owner of our hated rivals, James Dolan, yep, owns MSG Entertainment. And what and MSG Entertainment is the umbrella that owns our hated rivals, the New York Knicks, the arena, and a whole bunch of other businesses and and venues like Radio City Music Hall and restaurants. So there's a personal injury lawsuit involving one of these restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a law firm in New Jersey that's uh, working against them. Somehow this gets up to Mr. Dolan and they send a letter to the firm saying, all you people are not, you you people at the firm are not welcome at MSG properties because we don't want you to 
I guess, no investigator, whatever, illegally. And the firm is like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. One of the lawyers who is not working on the case, Dan, she just works at the firm, took her daughter on as part of a Girl Scouts trip to Radio City Music Hall for a show. The MSG, again, Radio City Music Hall is owned by MSG. They use facial recognition technology mm-hmm. to identify this woman, call security on her, and throw her out. So she's literally left out in the cold while her daughter and the rest of the troop are watching the show. Needless to say, she's upset about this, and so is the law firm. Yes. So the law firm contacts, decides, okay, if MSG wants to play dirty, let's call Albany. That's that's where the capital of New York is for the people who matter who aren't familiar. That's where the state government is. And they call up the liquor board, the liquor license board, and say, hey, you got you to do something about MSG here. And this is true because one of the requirements to sell liquor or alcohol at an event in New York, in New York State is that you must allow – anybody to appear like you have to let you have to let them into your place whether they drink alcohol or not unless they're providing some sort of threat or they had some previous history of uh, of disruption like you know if somebody starts a fight you can use facial rec- recognition technology to throw them out or ban them from the place you can do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but you can't do that unless there's a history of violence obviously this lawyer who lives in new jersey um does not have this so mm-hmm. the licensing board called MSG sent them a notice saying, "Hey, if you want to keep your liquor license, you gotta, you get, you can't do this. You gotta apologize. You have to, you know, they got a reminder." Then James Dolan, Jimmy D of the Straight Shot, Dan, the owner, the top man at MSG, the top O, I guess you could say, or the top D. I don't know what he calls himself. The top J, I don't know. Goes on Good Day New York on television, Dan, local television here in. This was awesome. I just want to point out, this was so funny to watch because it's such a disaster of an idea and you know so many reasons why it's bad. And then knowing the backstory and knowing that it's coming from a completely arbitrary place basically just makes it all the more delicious. This has at no point have I mentioned a sport at all. At no point have I mentioned Madison Square Garden, just the entertainment umbrella company right Uh james dolan goes on television and says well you know if the guys in albany want to want some press how about this maybe we'll ban alcohol sales for a rangers or a knicks game in the future we'll just pick a random rangers game and ban alcohol sales and we'll put a flyer up next to the places where we would sell alcohol with the the picture of the ceo of the liquor license board with his name his email addresses, phone number, and fans who want to have a drink. Now, I'm sober for 29 years, so it doesn't affect me. But fans who do want to have a drink, they can contact him and tell him to go back to knitting, exact quote, go back to knitting, instead Mm -hmm. of harassing the fine people who want to have a beer at an MSG event. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Needless to say, (laughs) needless to say, this is one, one of the pettiest things I've ever heard, and it needs to be discussed. Two, this has now led to increased legislative efforts in Albany to more stringently restrict facial recognition technology. And three, and this is now where the devils are relevant, because one, it makes you appreciate how Josh Harris and David Blitzer are kind of hands off of everything. They're not responding to every legal claim to the to the Prudential Center or the devils or any of the 18 teams that they own saying, well, we're just going to you know, we're just going to harass people with facial recognition technology or some other extreme means. But it also highlights the fact that because this technology is now available to arenas and they need to use it for security purposes, you really need to narrowly define them 
such that you don't use it against what I'm going to call, for lack of a better term, political enemies or legal enemies. Again, it totally makes sense to use it for people who are legitimately bad behaviors. The guy, the drunk guy who starts a fist fight in section four, not that that happened at the devil's game recently. I'm just picking a random section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want that guy to not come back to the arena. That guy can be denied ticket privileges forever. That's fine. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want is have an ownership group or a team executive, like a high level executive that doesn't want pride night to go off as originally planned, just to pick a random example, to suddenly use such means to keep people out of the arena or keep people from enjoying the game otherwise. So to that, and since what happens in New York politics tends to flow or tends to touch New Jersey politics, Mm -hmm. I don't know whether or not there's going to be a similar bill for facial recognition technology passed in New Jersey, but I wouldn't be super shocked if those efforts do succeed in Albany, that we see something like that in New Jersey. And I think that such a thing probably should happen. Normally I'm okay with letting businesses do, you know, you don't need to have the government necessarily tell the business how to do everything, but considering there are civil liberty concerns here and just, you don't want to have a super rich person just being entirely petty over a personal injury case. He's not personally involved in to basically overstep his boundaries and then go on television and say, maybe everybody doesn't have to have a beer at a hockey game, yeah. which is possibly like one of the worst things you could possibly say like out loud because <laughs> i've been to enough devil games you've been to enough devil's games where there's a lot of people who like to have spend 20 bucks on a tall boy you know to watch the new jersey devils win games in overtime you know five times or four times out of the last six times they've done it you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. anyway so those are the two massive l's that our hated rivals have taken and it's worth discussing because again you want I want Pride Nights to continue at the Devils. I want the Devils to promote their other initiatives that they're doing, even if they're smaller ones and not that you know meaningful necessarily, for lack of a better term. And two, I don't want the Devils to ultimately put themselves in a position where they need to uh, utilize means that will harm or keep fans out of the arena for entirely stupid reasons like James Dolan is currently doing. And three, I want to appreciate Josh Harris and David Blitzer for being as hands-off as they are, because I don't want to see them on Good Day New York ranting Mm -hmm. and raving about a thing where everybody who hears about this is just going, what the hell's the matter with you, Jimmy? Go go back to playing with your band. Like, go let it go. Nobody liked you after after the Charles Oakley thing. This could be worse. I don't know how, but you're making it worse. Can I counterpoint? Sure. We're Devils fans. Absolutely do everything that you've been doing this entire Uh, time, James Dolan. I love it. This is so much more fun to watch uh, from the outside. Oh, man. I mean, this is just so much more enjoyable as a Devils fan than I'm sure as a Rangers or Knicks fan. Um, so I'm kind of relishing in it. I'm 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 cool with all this. Uh it may be a controversial take, but I'm not someone who drinks often at games. Um, I don't really care if the Devils did this, but I know a lot of people would, but it also doesn't seem like something they do. So uh, for now, let's just sit back and enjoy the fact that we don't have the petty squad here anymore, because I think well, in that... previous versions of Devils ownership that did exist. Uh, not so much from ownership, but. Well, I'm sure I, again, I think I I, I want to believe if I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if every organization has like a skeleton too in their closet, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. but but the what the rate what our hated rivals are doing here, are, one, they're not in the closet with their dumbness here. And two, you know, they're pretty significant. They're easily avoidable losses like mm-hmm. stick to your original plans and 
ownership don't appear on a very popular local morning show on tele local television because again this is new york city lots of people watch good day new york in the morning you know wnyw is a popular network uh, affiliate of fox don't go there and say eh, maybe we don't need to sell beer because i'm sober for 29 years yeah jim jim no stop <laughs> stop oh. Jim Dolan, yes. Keep going. Uh -huh. Anyway, uh, I think that's all we got for this episode as we careen into the All-Star break here. The Devils actually have no more games until the All-Star break, which is surprising considering that there's like a week until that happens. But I, I guess the Devils have played out well, their slate until then. Everybody gets a bye week. So this yeah. is their bye week. Uh, so they'll, be, they'll be coming back on February 6th against the Vancouver Canucks, mm -hmm. now coached by Rick Tockett. Uh, that's a home game, so hopefully the Devils prevail. Then the schedule gets a little tougher because on thir uh, Thursday, February 9th, they'll host Seattle. And then they'll go on the road for four more games where they'll go to Minnesota, Columbus, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. So All right, so we'll see how they do in that. They still are, you know, they enter the All-Star break with the third best record in the league. They enter it with the second best record in the Metropolitan Division and the third best in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Devils are in a great spot. They're exactly where we'd want them to be um, in the All-Star, going into the All-Star break. So hopefully they use this reset to get back into the way they were playing back in November. But hey, the results, if they stay the same, then we're all in good shape anyway. So yeah, uh, that's that's the end of that episode, I guess. So we'll catch you next time as the Devils or mainly Jack Hughes takes on the, the Florida Sun at the All-Star game. And we'll be back here when they resume play as well. So we can talk about some games. All right. Thank you again for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Let's go Devils. Go Devils.